It's Advent, that season when Christians look forward to the coming of Jesus. A season I always used to love, until two years ago, I found myself sitting through a carol service in tears, listening to carols about the coming of the baby and fearing that my own child would never come. I was 42 and single and desperate to conceive a child. So last Advent, I took action on my own. I'm Blanche Girouard, and this edition of Things Unseen charts my attempt to produce a miracle baby. A journey for me of unparalleled awe and wonder. A journey that began just before Christmas. I was in the middle of making some supper. You can hear the sauce bubbling in the frying pan. And um, a friend rang for a chat. So I thought it might be a good time to say I was pregnant. I haven't told that many people. I feel quite shy about it. And I said I'm having a baby at the end of August. And his response was, oh great, I presume that means there's a man in the picture. To which I had to say no. It's an anonymous donor. And he said, oh. And um, he kind of moved on. And later he came back and said, I'm so glad. You know, I know how much you wanted this. But it really, really hurt. It's not my first choice. I'd much rather I was having a baby with someone I know. To me, it feels like a failure that it's come to this, that I'm doing it on my own. That previous relationships haven't worked out, haven't led to a baby. But it's better to have a baby than no baby. I'm just arriving at St Mary's Paddington for my ultrasound. It's a 13-week scan and I'm nervous. I've had a scan in the past where the foetus wasn't developing properly and this is really the crunch point scan where I discover if there is a living baby in there. I wasn't allowed to record the scan but it was an amazing experience. It's only seven centimetres but you can see everything and it moves and it opens and closes its wrist and it has its hand by its nose, and I did wish someone was there to watch it. It did feel sad, being on my own. But it's just very moving. I actually started the process when I was 38. I got divorced at 35, and one of the reasons that the divorce took place was that I knew I was coming to that kind of crux point of my fertility and our marriage just wasn't working and I desperately wanted children and I felt I had to make a break and um, at the age of 38 I froze eggs and in order to freeze eggs you have to take a certain amount of drugs for you to produce the number of eggs for them to be able to harvest them and extract them and freeze them so at the age of 38, I did all that, and I only used those eggs 
at 43, 44. That was when I looked into finding a donor. There are many ways to find a donor. There's a sperm bank in London where you get very little information about the donors and there aren't many donors. So I was advised to go to Europe. I used one in Europe. And there you got photographs of the donor as a toddler and as a baby and a lot of information about the donor's background, education, family, and even an interview of the donor, the sound of the donor's voice, and a letter from the donor. And I think the things that swung it from me, I was looking for a man who was intelligent and whom I thought I could relate to when the time came, and obviously healthy. But one of the key things that swung it for me was this man came across as so nice and he wrote this letter for the child. Everyone got to write a letter to the child, but some of them were very brief <laughs> and kind of cack-handed. And this is what my donor wrote. Dearest donor child, how strange to write this to you, to be read many years in the future, perhaps on a continent far away. I hope you will have found the same appetite for life and joy of the world as I. There is so much to see and do, and I wish for you to experience all its wonders. Out there are jungles, mountains, caves, volcanoes, islands, oceans to explore, and all the creatures who live there to meet. Remote villages, grand cities, bustling societies, quiet moments, friendships, music, art and love, and the beauty of knowledge and understanding, revealing the secrets of nature, earth, life and matter itself. All of it is there, waiting for you. I can share with you the genes that helped open the world to me, but from then on, only wishes for your childhood and life to be happy, safe, warm, and full of love and adventure. I'd love to tell you many things beyond what fits on this page. If, when you're older, you become curious about this other branch of your biology, I will be there to talk to you. And to listen as well. With, with loving thoughts through time and space, your donor. I thought that was such a nice letter. I'd previously been in a relationship with someone I really, really loved and really wanted to have a child with. And he didn't want to have a child with me. And I really wanted this child to be wanted. And this letter to me just felt, at least I'm giving this child a father, a biological father, who does want to meet him or her. And that mattered to me. So he came across really nicely, like someone I would like in my life, someone I'd like to meet. He's a scientist. I think the laws are that at 16, I find out his identity, and I think at 18 the child is free to contact him. It's a long way to go. But I really like the sound of this man. <laughs> the one funny thing is that because it was a European website, it has kilograms for weight and it has centimetres for height. And I still work in stones and feet and inches, and so I didn't really register any of it. I got a bit of a shock after I'd ordered everything and the whole thing was in progress. I actually looked up his height and weight 
and I'm five foot eight and three quarters and relatively slim. And he's five foot seven and three quarters and weighed 14 stone. I suddenly got a bit anxious about what this baby will look like. But I did email the sperm bank and say, is he really fat? (laughs) And they said, no, not at all. So I have no idea what the grown man looks like. They also said he had a diamond shaped head, which slightly worries me. (laughs) It's really funny when you have a baby with someone you love, you don't really kind of think of these things. And one of the most exciting things about a child is how it reflects the parents and what they look like. So when you're picking a donor, you do suddenly feel very particular about characteristics. Anyway, I thought this man just sounded lovely. So that's why I chose him. I chose the donor and then we went ahead. My eggs were already in storage. They defrosted half of them. I asked them to keep half because I wanted the chance of having a child with someone I was in a relationship with. So I defrosted half. They fertilised them with the sperm. I was quite shocked by the outcome in the, of eight eggs. We only ended up with three passable embryos. And we implanted the best one. I got pregnant. I then went for the six-week scan and it wasn't good news the fetus wasn't growing it was too small so I had a miscarriage I chose to have a miscarriage under general anaesthetic I found it very traumatic and very upsetting we then biopsied the two remaining embryos because if you do a biopsy you can see if there are chromosomal abnormalities And it's usually a chromosomal abnormality that leads to a miscarriage. So we discovered that one was absolutely fine and one was not fine. We implanted the one that was fine. And that one is the one that's growing in me now. So let's just pray I make it to the end of the pregnancy and a healthy birth. There's just one thing. There's just one thing I should raise, which is obviously the ethical side of this. I'm not an idiot. I know that a lot of people would object to what I'm doing. At the time I actually started doing the whole process, I was interviewing Catholic priests for the tablet magazine. And I talked to them about IVF and the Catholic Church is against it. And I'm well aware that I have been creating embryos and that I won't use them all. And I know that that is an issue. All I can say is that I hope let God judge me for it. And I hope other people will just be forgiving, understanding. I'm not taking it lightly. I'm doing it because I had no alternative. In order to do the second embryo transfer, I did everything possible. The first time I hadn't taken medication, or not much medication, only a little. The second time I was injecting myself three times a day. I was using progesterone suppositories and oestrogen patches. 
and I also went for a course of acupuncture. Plus, I was having regular scans of my womb lining. It was so invasive. It was so... It was so horrid. <laughs> this is the sharps box. And if I tip out the contents... All right, I'm going to count this. One, two, three, four. I'm just counting. Five, six. How many needles I stuck into myself? Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, one hundred and four, one hundred and five, one hundred and six, one hundred and seven, one hundred and eight, one hundred and nine, one hundred and ten. Wow. One hundred and eleven. I. Goodness, even I didn't realise how many needles were in there. That was 111 needles that I had to inject into my thigh or my stomach. So that it's been a real <laughs> humdinger of a medical experience. And certainly after all the scans and probes, you know, the number of men who are standing there probing your uterus <laughs> and you're spreading your legs for these strange men to insert a probe inside you it was demeaning and humiliating and I found it really upsetting really really upsetting and it cost a fortune my mother helped me but the upshot is I have got a baby growing inside me this is the Imperial College Healthcare Maternity Helpline to answer your call in approximately one minute. So, I'm pregnant and now there's coronavirus. And now I, um, <coughs> I think I have it. I've got this, <coughs> you can hear this annoying cough and a bit of a temperature and slightly wobbly legs and feel really virusy and really, really tired. So I think I'm infected. And I rang 111 on the NHS and they effectively said, ring off unless you're emergency. We expect to answer your call in approximately seven minutes. What? It's gone from one minute to seven minutes. Oh, God. Hi. Yeah, I was just ringing because I'm 18 weeks pregnant and I think I've got the symptoms. I just wanted to check that I'm doing the right thing and don't need testing or whatever. OK, so what symptoms do you have? I had shortness of breath. That's gone. Now I just have the cough. I don't have a bad temperature, but I do feel fluey and really tired. And sometimes I have a bit of a chill or sneeze or runny nose. OK, and is everybody in your household OK, Dad? I'm on my own, but I, I slightly care for my father, who's old, so I've stayed away from him. Oh, right, OK. I mean, eat some fruit. Just try to keep your immune system high. OK. Oranges and kiwi fruit, things that are high in vitamin C will help to build up your immune system. OK. But they don't think it's going to go to the baby, do they now? No, no, they don't. OK, great. Well, that's what matters. <laughs> you matter as well. <laughs> I mean, you do. You yeah. Know? I mean, you have to be all right, too. I've come to the park for my daily exercise in lockdown. This place is an absolute godsend. Also full of people, cyclists, lots 
and lots and lots of joggers. It's actually a really strange atmosphere because everyone's avoiding each other, avoiding eye contact, avoiding bodily contact. You have to not take it personally when they step away from you or keep their distance from you. What I find hard is not talking to anyone. I feel so isolated, desperate for my friends. Now, my main preoccupation is actually that I need the loo. Um, wonder if the loo's are open. Let's have a look. Due to the current crisis, all toilets are now closed. Please check our website for daily updates at royalparks.org.uk. Just kick the door. Nope, that's closed. Not sure what the etiquette is about urinating on radio. But if you're pregnant and you're in a park, I'm not quite sure what the alternative is. Last time I came to the outpatient department, it was really bustling and lively. And today it's dead. I've just had my 20-week scan. Everything's fine with the baby. And also, um, this time, they look at all these funny angles, which is slightly disconcerting. And they put all kind of colours to show blood flow. So sometimes it looks like you've got this odd alien with flashing red eyes, blue eyes, yellow eyes, and it's just a bit weird. The lady who gave me a scan had a face mask, so did the nurse. Another nurse had the face mask, but it wasn't on her mouth. But it's quiet up there. The husbands aren't allowed into the scans. They've cancelled the 28-week scan. The doctor's not going to see me tomorrow, she's going to ring me. So the service is definitely reduced, but I'm grateful for the care I've had today. And big news, it's a girl. I'm having a girl. Yeah, just getting my head around that. I thought it was a boy, but I'm delighted it's a girl. I love craft and drawing and colouring and making things and reading books, and I just hope I can share that with a girl. Just cutting out some of the pictures they gave me from the scan yesterday. I have in front of me a book that I bought to document the pregnancy called Me and My Bump. And I'm trying to record for this baby what a journey I've been on and how much I did to get her, really. I think there's a fear that she'll one day be upset about the fact she's the child of a donor. And I just want to say, just see how much love there was and how much I wanted you and tried for you and fought for you. So this book, it feels a bit odd because it's obviously meant for a couple. It says the first people we told were but everything's we, you see, the first people we told. I don't know if I should cross out every we and put I. It became apparent afterwards is that I'd had what they call a cardiac event. So They're talking about giving birth on Woman's Earth Day. Um, 
it's Bank Holiday Monday and um, it's all getting a bit real. I'm actually 26 weeks today and I was going to talk about the baby's movement because she's increasingly active and it started feeling as though there were kind of like mice behind a wainscot. If you've ever heard scurrying of mice behind a skirting board, it's not a very pleasant sound and it just feels like this kind of movement. You can't see it, but you can hear it and it sounds a bit frantic. And that's what it felt like. But now I'm lying in the bath. Just put a bit more hot water. And it's quite extraordinary because my stomach's actually moving. <laughs> She's kicking and suddenly a bit of my tummy moves. Oh gosh, a sudden movement. <laughs> it's really weird. It's 4.11 in the morning. I've woken up and I'm finding it hard to get back to sleep. One of the things people comment on is that during this pandemic, there's more birdsong. This is the noise outside my window. I don't know who that louder bird is with his insistent, repetitive call, but I'm finding him rather annoying. And my baby's wriggling. And between the insistent bird and the wriggling baby it's quite hard to sleep so I'm going to try kind of baby Mozart or baby you know sleep music this is the one I like best very plinky plonky and repetitive but quite soothing let's see if it can send us both to sleep I've made it to 36 weeks. My tummy's now very big and hard and I'm just putting vitamin E oil on it. I'm at the stage of trying to do anything I can to reduce stretch marks because I'm an older mother and my skin is not gonna recover as it would have done when I was 18. And today I want to try something new. I'm under a lot of pressure to have an induction or a caesarean because of my age. And I'm not massively keen on either. I've been told that one starts producing colostrum from week 36 and that if you express colostrum, it's good for getting your body ready, thinking it's coming into labor or preparing for labour. So I'm just going to see... Oh my goodness. 
what I'm doing is I'm just applying some pressure to the right hand breast and what I'm seeing is yuck <laughs> to be honest it's um kind of thin yellow yuck <laughs> oh my goodness it's going to take a bit of getting used to this well the good news is my body's working I'm now 38 weeks pregnant and I'm in a bad mood. I think it's a bit like when you're waiting for a delivery driver to arrive. It's quite hard to settle down to anything. I'm anticipating a birth. I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm doing everything I can to promote it. I'm eating pineapple. I'm drinking raspberry leaf tea. I'm eating dates. I'm going for walks. I'm having acupuncture and I went shopping for drinks and snacks during labour. Here, oh gosh, it's heavy. Here is a collection of drinks and snacks, coconut water. That is a Tupperware with nuts and raisins and dried mango. This one's got dates in. And here, oat cakes, peanut butter. So it is a super healthy assortment of food. And then I thought I'd try and pack a maternity bag. Ooh. And actually the main thing I have in here is a list of the things I haven't packed. I haven't packed three changes of clothes. I don't have three changes of clothes because I'm currently wearing them. I haven't packed two nursing bras because one of them is currently on my body and the other's in the wash. So, that's a fat lot of good. I think everything just feels a bit frustrating. I don't know how I'm giving birth. I don't know when I'm giving birth. I don't know what's coming my way. You're looking in the wrong place. <laughs> how was your journey? Mm. I'm here. That's the main thing. I said that I was single. Well, now there's Anthony, a lovely man I met on holiday, a man who was willing from the start to welcome me and a new baby into his life. I'm now in the birth centre and I've been given some toast. That's me eating toast. Anthony's with me. He's eating crisps. That's rather surreal. It's having a little picnic. And it's an enormous room with two beds and a big birthing pool and a bathroom and a very nice midwife is looking after me. I came in after two nights of contractions. This is the third night and I came in because it got too much. I needed pain relief. So it's now 4.30 in the morning. Five to five. Five to five in the morning. Hopefully the baby will come at a civilised hour. It's 12.14 in the morning. And today is the 31st of August. 
It's my fourth night of contractions, but no baby. And I'm tired. It's one in the morning. I'm having a contraction. It's just super painful. Like, it's really sharp period pain. quite good at getting through them. The key thing is to realise that they don't last forever. So if you can just concentrate on breathing, humming, moaning, whatever. Before this, I was kind of up and moving around. But to be honest, I'm too tired now. I prefer to deal with them lying down because it's the fourth night I've been dealing with contractions that haven't led to a baby. I don't know if you can hear Anthony sleeping in the background. Can you hear the heavy breathing? He's in the room. He's been very patient and kind all this time with nothing happening. Ooh, a contraction starting. Ow, 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 ow. Yikes, I'll sit on the birth ball. Ow, ow, ow. 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 Sorry, I'll shut up. Oh, God. Just breathe through it.
gorgeous. It's bedtime. Yes, you're seven weeks old today, and mummy is very tired. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. So, let's try and get you to sleep. Close the door. It's okay, gorgeous. Make you like a parcel. Are we going to wrap you like a parcel? Swaddling clothes, yes. Put you in the swaddling clothes. You look very sweet. And now we're going to try something else. There was a tune I played you when you were a very little baby, and when you heard it, you just went quiet and it calmed you down. And I wonder now you're a squirmy, wriggly little thing. Is it going to work again? Is it? Is it going to work again? It's called a Gaelic blessing, and these are the words. Deep peace of the quiet earth to you. Deep peace of the shining stars to you. Deep peace of the gentle night to you. Moon and stars pour their healing light on you. Deep peace of Christ, the light of the world to you. Deep peace of Christ to you. That's it, darling. And you like the version that has no words. You like the version that's just the harp. That's the one that used to make you sleep. And this is a version by John Rutter. Let's see if it will calm you down. Well, sweetheart, you are now nine weeks old. And how does your mummy feel about that, hey? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles. God took a teacher by the hand. Turned her around and miracle of miracles. Showed her to the promised land. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles I was afraid that God would frown But like he did so long ago in Jericho God just made a wall fall down When David slew Goliath Yes, that was a miracle When God gave us manna in the wilderness That was a miracle too but of all God's miracles, large and small, 
The most miraculous one of all is the one I thought could never be. God has given you to me. Yes, he has. And what do you think about that? Ottilie, Rose, Bathsheba Gerard, we've made it to Advent and it's going to be your very first Christmas. It's going to be a bit of a funny Christmas this year, but we're going to decorate a Christmas tree and put up a crib and sing lots of carols about baby Jesus. And I'm not going to be at all unhappy because I've got you, my miracle baby. So... Shall we sing everybody a Christmas carol? Your first Christmas carol? And wish them a very Merry Christmas. Because this Christmas edition of Things Unseen was brought to you by CTVC and Ottilie and Blanche. Are you ready, gorgeous? Are you ready? God rest you, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. For Jesus Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Joy. <laughs>